0: Welcome to our study on exploring end time events. Today we are going to continue on our prophetic timeline as we look at the battle of Armageddon to the millennial period. Now last week ladies we looked at the horrific judgments that are going to come upon the earth during the tribulation period and we ended with the last seven vile or bold judgments. As we look at Revelation chapter 16 let's start with verse 2 as we look at the first vile judgment. Where it shows that a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. And then you look to verse 3 and it shows the second vial. Where every living creature in the sea died. The third vial in verses 4 through 7. Where it talks about the rivers and the springs of water become blood. The fourth vial in verses 8 and 9 show that the sun is going to be so hot that it actually scorches men. And then the fifth vial, in verses 10-11, through 11, it talks about being against the throne of the beast. And his kingdom is actually going to become full of darkness, that they actually gnaw their tongues because of the pain. And then the sixth vial judgment, in verses 12-14, through 14 is what we're going to concentrate on. A little bit more on today is the euphrates river is going to dry up so that the kings of the east might be prepared and then ladies we're going to talk about the seventh file judgment a little bit later in our lesson but notice here in verse 12 that it shows that the euphrates river is going to dry up so that the kings of the east might be prepared Now, the Euphrates River is one of the most important rivers. It flows along Turkey, Syria, and Iraq as it flows into the Persian Gulf. Now, it is the longest river in the world at 1,700 miles long. And yet, this vile judgment says that the Euphrates River is going to dry up. Now, just to give you an idea of how long that is, think about the United States. It is about 3,000 miles From North Carolina to Los Angeles, which is East Coast to West Coast. And the Euphrates River, think about that as 1,700 miles. So that is over half the distance across the United States. Ladies, that is a long river. And imagine the judgment that it's going to take to dry that river up. Scripture goes on to say that it will dry up so that the kings of the East might be prepared. So you say, prepared for what? Well, remember, China is to the east. So this prepares a way for them to come. Remember, we're talking about the Battle of Armageddon starting. Let's continue in verses 13 and 14. And it shows that the unholy trinity, which is Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, are going to be performing signs to align the nations of the whole world for the battle of that great day of God. Let's look at that. It says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and all the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Verse 16 continues as we see what the great day of God Almighty is. As it says, and they gathered them together to the place called, in Hebrew, Armageddon. Well, in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, the backdrop would focus on Babylon. Now, some scholars say that this is modern day Iraq, and it will be the headquarters of a one world economic political governmental system headed by the antichrist and this will be leading up to when the armies are all gathered together now i'd like you to listen to dr david jeremiah as he describes babylon please listen
1: according to revelation chapter 18 The ancient city of Babylon is going to be rebuilt and become the commercial capital of the world during the tribulation period. Now remember, the tribulation period could be just a few years away from us because the only thing that needs to happen before the tribulation takes place is for the Lord to return to take his own back to heaven. We could be living in the early days of some of the things that are going to happen in the tribulation. And before we're finished today, I think you will agree with me that we are. The greatest historian of modern times, a man by the name of Arnold Toynbee, used to stress to his readers and his students that Babylon would be the best place in the world to build a future world cultural metropolis. And with the head start already made by the Iraqis, it is not far-fetched at all to suggest that the future capital of the world during the tribulation period would be established in Babylon. Now, it's quite obvious to me that the United States believes something important is going on in that region. The largest United States embassy in the world, 104 acres, opened in Baghdad. The enormous size of this embassy gives an indication that even our own government believes something important is going to happen in that region in the future.
0: Well, these are just some interesting facts, aren't they? According to Wikipedia, the embassy of the United States in Baghdad has been described as the largest and most expensive embassy in the world and is on 104 acres. Imagine, did you even know that there was an embassy in Iraq? Well, this embassy opened in January of 2009 after construction delays. They actually call it a compound. It is so huge. Fox News reported in January 2009 that the 104-acre compound was bigger than the Vatican and about the size of 80 football fields. They boast about 21 buildings, a commissary, cinemas, retail and shopping areas, restaurants, schools, a fire station, power and water treatment plants as well as telecommunications and water waste treatment facilities. It actually has space for a 1,000 employees with six apartment blocks and is ten times larger than any U.S. embassy. It is also reported that the embassy is highly fortified with bulletproof windows and much more. You see, the embassy in Iraq is so large... They will have living facilities there where people actually live there and they have all the facilities that they need and it's well fortified, bulletproof and all. The United States obviously sees something about Baghdad that interests them enough to have the largest embassy located there. Did you know October 5th of this year, 2010, that President Obama's administration, his trade official, promotes U.S. commercial interest in Iraq? His name is Francisco Sanchez. He was a Secretary of Commerce for International Trade, and he emphasized Obama's commitment to promoting strong bilateral, economical, cultural, and educational ties with Iraq during his meeting with Iraqi's deputy minister. Ladies, this article goes on to say that Iraq offers many business investments and commercial opportunities to U.S. firms and that the deputy minister and Sanchez discussed our country's economic partnership. They had hoped would be the first of many productive and engaging conversations. Well, they said it was clear that Iraq was open for business. Sanchez was joined in Iraq by representatives from 14 U.S. companies that traveled to Baghdad for the first U.S. trade mission to Iraq since the end of combat operations. I would say, ladies, that the U.S. has definite interest in Iraq. Ladies, the city of Babylon, which dates back 4,500 years ago, with Nimrod, the great-grandson of Noah, brought into existence a one-world economic political governmental system, a prototype which will be unfolded in the last three and a half years of the Tribulation period, And the EU today, remember, we saw in our previous studies that they actually patterned its parliament building after the drawing of the Tower of Babel that Nimrod had built. So, ladies, I'd like you now to listen to Dr. Jeremiah again as he continues describing Babylon in biblical prophecy. Please listen.
1: Now, the amazing story of the rebuilding of the city of Babylon is once again proof of the miraculous nature of biblical prophecy long before this rebuilding process began in our life prophets jeremiah and isaiah and even john the apostle put together a scenario that demands that this city be rebuilt for you see the city of babylon is located sixty miles south of baghdad babylon is the city that was founded by nimrod the first world dictator from genesis chapter eleven when he and led the people to build a tower up into the heavens and an affront to God. According to the prophetic scheme that's outlined in the book of Revelation, when the Antichrist takes control of the world during the tribulation, he will rule and reign from three cities. From Rome, he will rule the political world. And from Jerusalem, he will make a covenant with the Jews and rule the religious world. And from Babylon, he will rule the financial and commercial world in his prophecy against future Babylon Jeremiah the prophet spoke of a day when Babylon would be no more and his words describe it as a place that will be desolate forever when the Medes and Persians took over Babylon they didn't destroy the city they used the city and they ruled from the city when the Medo-Persian Empire was gone the Greeks took over and Alexander was the leader Alexander the Great Babylon was one of the major cities in his reign in fact He ruled in part there all the way through to the end of his time. So there's never been a time when Babylon has been totally destroyed, as the scripture says. But there will be a time in the future when that happens. A time yet to take place. A time when Babylon will be destroyed, and the Bible speaks of it. And since it hasn't happened, we know it's yet to happen in the future.
0: So in tracing the campaign of Armageddon, it has been seen how God judges the Gentile world powers... And brings about their downfall, doesn't it? All the nations come under the attack of Christ. From the northern confederacy to the kings from the east and the armies of the beast. Were seen as destroyed at the second coming of Christ to the earth. Now this leads us to our seventh vial. Which we see in verses 17 through 19 in Revelation 16. Let's read that. It says, this, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And then there were noises and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Ladies, think about this. You know, Christ said on the cross, when he bore the judgment of our sins so that we may be saved, he said, it is finished. And then here we see in verse 17, God is saying, it is done. Remember, his son comes to earth To judge the nations, and he's going to set up his kingdom in the millennial period. Notice it says, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne. Remember, ladies, God is on the throne, and Christ is at the right hand side. And so, this is God saying, It is done. Now, remember, one of the purposes. For these judgments ladies. Is to bring the earth under submission. And all the earth under submission. The unholy trinity. Will come to an end. In the prophecy. In the book of Daniel chapter 2. Where Daniel was able to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Of the image. And how these Gentile world powers would be destroyed. Well we have seen these prophecies being fulfilled. And now we see in the last days. The image will totally be destroyed the revived Roman Empire illustrated by the feet and the image made out of iron and clay which lacks in strength is where the Antichrist will come out of and Christ is going to destroy them all ladies that is what we are seeing here it says in Daniel 2 verses 34 to 35 you watched while a stone was cut out without hands which struck the image of on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff before the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found, and the stone was struck, the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And then, ladies, it continues in verse 44 of chapter 2. And it says, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Ladies, the unholy Trinity is going to be brought to an end. Antichrist and false prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire and Satan will be bound to the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And then finally, the Jewish people will be restored to their Messiah and the promises will be fulfilled. Revelation 19 tells us of Christ's glorious return to the earth. Let's turn over there. And look at verses 11 through 16. And it says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. The armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, ladies, what a glorious sight that will be. Everyone will know that the King of kings and Lord of lords is coming. Matthew twenty four twenty seven says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And then in Matthew 24, verse 30, it says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Ladies, Christ's return will be the greatest display of power the earth has ever witnessed. In Zechariah, chapter 14, verses 3 through 4, it says, the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half toward the south. Ladies, as he steps, on the mount of olives it is going to split in two did you know geological institute in tel aviv actually discovered a major fault line that runs right through the mount of olives god could use that fault line couldn't he when he returns as he steps with his power on that mountain and it splits in two. Oh, ladies For those who have rejected Christ, this is going to be a sad day. As we see in 2 Thessalonians 1.8, it says, In flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for those who have been saved during that tribulation period and survived from being martyred, Luke 21.28 says, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near ladies what a glorious time that will be and we will actually be with Christ when he returns it says in Zechariah fourteen five at the end there it says thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you Jude 14 says now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied About these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Ladies, we are going to return with Jesus Christ. The bridegroom and the bride are going to return to earth. When my husband and I were in Israel, it was amazing to stand on the Mount of Olives knowing that this is going to be where Christ returns. When he puts that foot down on the Mount of Olives, it is going to split in two. It was amazing to stand there and then look over at the eastern gate where Christ is going to enter and go into the temple. Ladies, the Jewish people actually believe so heavily in the fact that their Messiah is going to return on the Mount of Olives that they actually have their burial ground there. They have so many grave sites on the Mount of Olives because they want to be there when their Messiah returns. In fact, not only do the Jewish people believe that, but also the Arabs. In fact, they do not want the Messiah to enter into the temple there. And so they have actually created a burial site in front of the eastern gate. If you can see on this picture on the screen, you will actually see burial site right in front because they don't believe that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will go over grave sites in order to enter the eastern gate and go into the temple. So they are trying to prevent him from entering, just like Satan has tried to prevent the Messiah for years. The Arabs here are trying to prevent him from entering the temple. You notice in the picture also of the eastern gate that it is sealed. Well, in 1517, when the Turks conquered Jerusalem under the leadership of Solomon the Magnificent, He actually commanded the city's ancient walls to be rebuilt. And in the midst of this rebuilding project, for some unknown reason, he ordered that the eastern gate be sealed up with stones. Well, see, he too is thinking that he is going to prevent a Messiah from coming through there. Well, the eastern gate has been sealed ever since. As the Lord said in Ezekiel 44. Let's look over in verses 1 through 2. It says, Then he brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary with faces toward the east, but it was shut. And the Lord said to me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter by it, because the Lord God of Israel has entered by it. Therefore it shall be shut. Remember, back in the previous chapter, chapter 43, verse 4, it shows, that God had entered that way it says and the glory of the Lord came into the temple by the way of the gate which faces toward the east ladies the Lord originally entered through the eastern gate and he will enter through the eastern gate again at his second coming to set up his temple Zechariah 6 verse 13 says yes he which is talking about Christ Shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. Ladies this is during the millennial kingdom. It will be a time of peace. Where the lion is going to lie down with the lamb. Now, only the saved are going to be able to enter into the millennial kingdom. In the parables of the wheat and tares in Matthew 13, verses 30 to 31, and in the parable of the good and bad fish in Matthew 13, 49 to 50, it is shown that only the saved go into the kingdom. And then in Daniel, chapter 7, verses 18, 22 and 27, it makes it clear that the kingdom is given to the saints. Now, remember when we say only the saint enters into the millennial kingdom. Remember, we have come back with Christ. Remember, we have our resurrected bodies already, and we are going to be ruling over the nations of the millennial period. And remember, as we talked before, there are going to be probably, there's a possibility, that there are going to be different degrees there. As we saw in the parable of the talents, it's what you do, with the opportunities that christ gives you now is going to be determined of how many cities and stuff that you rule over so there will be different degrees now when we talk about that you have the millennial saints they do not have their resurrected bodies yet and so these are ones that were saved during the tribulation period now during this time that they survived being martyred, they're going to live on earth through this millennial kingdom for a thousand years, and they will be having children. And that's why it says in Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3, that at the very end it talks about Satan being loosed one more time. Remember, Satan is bound in the bottomless pit for this thousand years. Let's read that. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, so that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were finished. This is actually going to be a time at the end of the millennial period that Satan will be loosed one last time and what this will do will be to weed out who actually believes in Jesus Christ and who doesn't because remember they're having children during this time and so even though Satan has been bound not everyone will follow Christ. We'll also see The completion and fulfillment of the covenants that God made with Israel. The Abrahamic covenant concerning the land and the seed are fulfilled in the millennial age. Israel's possession of the land and their inheritance of blessings are directly related to the fulfillment of this covenant. The Davidic covenant concerning the king, the throne, and the royal houses are fulfilled by Messiah in the millennial age. Ladies, God promised the Jewish people He would give them a king, and the kingdom will be set up under the leadership of this king. Well, Christ is the king, and He is on His throne, a fulfillment of this promise. The new covenant, the promises of the new covenant and for the new heart of forgiveness of sins, the filling of the Spirit are fulfilled in the millennial age. All the blessings Israel received our fulfillment of this covenant so we have come full circle haven't we and god has fulfilled his covenants that he made with israel ladies as we have seen over and over again of god's providence and rule in our lives we clearly see this in prophecy of how god has orchestrated things from day one to be fulfilled in the end times the time is drawing close to when Christ returns. John MacArthur showed three parables in the Olivet Discourse that rounds out the full picture of what it means to be ready for Christ's return. The first parable is in Matthew 24, verses 45 to 51, where it talks about the two servants. And then in chapter 25, 1 through 3, we see the parable of the ten virgins. And then in chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, you have the parable of the talents. So the parable of the servants teaches us to show our readiness for christ's return with an attitude of expectantly watching for him and in the parable of the ten virgins urges us to prove our readiness for christ's return by patiently waiting and the parable of the talents teaches us to remain ready for him by diligently working ladies we are not to be passive christians we are to be expectantly watching for him, patiently waiting, and diligently working. We are commanded to take heed, watch, and pray, for we do not know when Christ will return. As it says in Mark thirteen thirty-two 32-33, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Next week will be our last class on exploring end-time events as we wrap up our prophetic timeline. I've enjoyed this time with you, and until next week, keep looking up. God bless.